our thought for the past couple of weeks has been becoming the church. That's what we have been talking about, becoming the church. We began our study with the message being called to serve. And then last week, we brought the message demonstrating the compassion of Christ. By the grace of God, I am going to end this series today with this message, Developing the Unity of the Body. Developing the unity of the body. When I began this, the Lord was quickening my spirit how that the Lord himself, a lot of times when he looks down on we as a church as a whole, and that. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about just our local assembly, but I'm talking about the church, God's people worldwide. There's a lot of times that when God looks down on those who claim to be his church, that he is heartbroken. He has concerns because as I've been trying to stress throughout the course of this message, we have got to get out of that mindset of going to church and realize God wants us to be the church. Going to church don't get the job done. If we are going to function and if we are going to do what God has called and planted us to do on this earth, we got to realize we are the church. And then what in fact, as some people do, sit around and talk about the problems of the church if there are problems in the church, then the problem is in me and you because we are the church. And there's still so much that needs to be done. And God is trying to raise up men and women and young people that will listen to his heart. We need to be more concerned than ever before about being in the presence of God. We worry about a lot of things we shouldn't worry about. We need to be concerned whether or not I have been in his presence today. Have me and Jesus had any together time today? 
there's still families, and I thank God for it, who strive to have a certain point of every day where it's around the dinner table or where it may be that the family gets together and they strive to make sure that family has together time, some quality time. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, we as people of God, as children of God, each one of us individually need to be more concerned and focused every day of our life that you should never go to bed and close your eyes at night unless you're satisfied that you and Jesus has had enough quality time that day. It's things that we get that get left undone. And today, as we talk about developing the unity of the body, now there's there is so much that we could be preaching about when I'm talking about becoming the church. And I but I have tried to focus and bring it down to three areas that's more important that will help us to become the church. Going back to the first message, none of us should never forget that our chief calling, no matter what we do, where it's pastor, evangelist, prophet, apostle, or bathroom cleaner, You need to have a mindset that you have been called to service. And then demonstrating the compassion of Christ. There's a world full of hurting people out there that's waiting for somebody who can demonstrate to them that, hey, God still loves you. God cares about you. And it's up to the church. We're the ones that's responsible for doing that. We're the ones. If there's somebody out there, hallelujah. If there's somebody out there in your neighborhood or on your job or in your family who just don't feel loved by God, then you're responsible. I'm responsible. The church is not doing what God has called the church to do. We, it's up to us to point to the world and say, look, there's somebody who loves you enough who gave his life for you And now, developing the unity of the body. Do we want to see more miracles? Do we want to see people delivered, healed, made free by the power of God? 
do we want to see God moving in our service to where when we leave here, we can actually feel, man, I've been to church today. I, I have been in the presence of God today. Then we're going to have to do more about unifying the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to do my best just to take my time and, uh, and, and, and to slow it down because I want to get this point across today. I feel God dealing strongly in my spirit about this. Nothing hinders more the flow of the Spirit and exasperates our efforts in truly becoming the church that Christ desires us to be than when we are fragmented and without consensus of calling, unity, and purpose in the body. I'm going to say that again. I want to make sure you get that. Nothing more hinders the flow of the Spirit. We want to see the Holy Ghost moving, people healed, being filled with the Holy Ghost, all this stuff. Nothing more hinders the flow of the Spirit and then exasperates our efforts in truly becoming the church than when we are fragmented, talking about within the body, and without a consensus of calling, unity, and purpose of the body. In short, When the, when the Lord spoke this in my spirit earlier this morning, and I, and I was typing this out, let me, let, let me tell you how, how serious the situation is. When we don't work overtime to make sure we are unified with one another, that there's no jealousy among us, that we want to see each one excel in the body of Christ, when we get to the point and place that we receive just as much joy out of seeing God use somebody else as when he uses me. When we don't do that and, and, and we are fragmented, and we got divisions, and we're not coming together with a consensus of what we're called for, unity and purpose. We are doing Satan's, we are doing Satan's work for him when we fail to unite together in love, direction, and purpose. Do you hear me this morning? When we fail to unify, when we fail to get in one mind and one accord, then we are doing the devil's work for him. Come on, somebody. Because Satan said, well, man, I'm going to just sit back over here, sip on, sip on some tea, 
because I ain't gonna have I ain't gonna have to worry about causing no confusion. They're causing nothing. Brother Jeff, we're not working to fight against that. We're doing the devil's work for him. Now, 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 think about that. Chew it around in your mouth before you swallow that. Hallelujah. Amen. (coughs) We are doing more Satan's work than what we realize. In John 10 and 30, Jesus made the statement and apostolic people, this is one that we all love. John 10 and 30, Jesus made the statement, I and my Father are one. We all know that verse, right? And if we are going, listen to me. If you're going to stop going to church and be the church, then we are going to have to be able to say the same thing concerning one another. If we're going to get to the point in place to where we don't go to church, but we are the church, then we're going to have to get to the point in place that we can say the same thing about one another as what Jesus said about him and his father. Brother Douglas, you and I are one. Can we can we say that about one another? Brother Bobby, you Unity, togetherness, hallelujah. Sister Shelley, you and I are one. Brother Joe, you and I are one. We, you'll be surprised how many people sitting on church pews can't honestly and legitimately make that statement. Look around at your brother and sisters in the body. Can you look at each one in the congregation that's a part of our home church? Can you say honestly and legitimately, you and I are one? Until we can do that, then we're just spinning our tires. Brother, we're not going nowhere. God demands the same thing from his church. That's when he said, I and my father are one. See, what I'm preaching about today is developing unity of the body. 
if my if the parts of my body become defragmented and I got one arm laying over here and another one over there and a leg somewhere else unless there's some kind of emergency surgery real quick guess what life will leave me life will leave me that, my friend, is why so many churches are dead spiritually. They cannot come together in unity of purpose and mind, showing the same consideration and love for their brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. God is screaming out. There's so much I want to do. There's so much I want my I want my spirit to flow. But I can't do it until my body is unified. I can't do it until my body becomes one with one another and one with me. There's two areas. That's very important that I want to bring out in this message this morning. And we got, to, we got to learn these lessons. The first one is, not about me, all about him. Hallelujah. Not about me, all about him. As America. Can pastor preach this morning? Can I preach? As Americans, we cherish things like liberty and democracy. And we have, have been in the past and will be in the future willing to fight to protect those things. As Americans, they're important to us. Men and women have died to see that liberty and democracy reigns on and that some lunatic is not able to set up a dictatorship in this country like so many other nations. But things, follow me now, things which make a great country does not always make a great church. To start with, and I know, I know this is going to blow holes in the theology of a whole lot of denominational people this morning, and even apostolic people, the way they've changed in the past few years, but it's still the truth. The church is not a democracy. The church is a theocracy. What is a theocracy, Brother Sammy? 
I'm glad you asked, I tell you. A theocracy is God ruled. God never meant his church to be a democracy. There's only one head of the church. It's not the pastor neither. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. Oh, glory. Man, I, 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 I told you I was going to try to stay slow and say, come, but I, I got something burning, bubbling up within me right now. Hallelujah. Too many times, too many times we vote about things we should be praying about. Hello? We strive to please ourselves when we should be seeking to please Him. Listen, folks. The church was God's idea. Jesus designed it and he built it himself. And he is the head of it. If that is true, if that's the case, why are we always consulting ourselves over things we should be consulting him about? Sometimes when democracy rules the church, people get put in offices because, well, so-and-so would be great doing that because, man, they're, they are a great manager in, in their job out there in the working field or they, they're a good CEO or they're good at this or, or good at that. And carnality, the man says, well, they, they, they have... They have proved themselves out there, so we need to plant them here. Let me tell you something. What works in the world doesn't always work in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 20. Let's read that. But now hath God said it set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased the pastor. God has set members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased the board of trustees. God has set the members of them in the body as it has pleased the deacon board. Am I reading it wrong? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be smart here, but if but but if but if I'm reading it wrong, why are we doing it wrong? Is it because? that we live in a fast, quick age and it's a lot of times easier than just to appoint somebody because we think they'll do this good or they 
or whatever, and we'll just say, well, let's just, let's just vote it this way and do it, do it that way because that don't take as much time as praying and fasting and waiting on God. Whoop, whoop, whoop. God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. My Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. What else does it say? Amen. And if they were all one member, where were the body? My Lord. Hallelujah. If they were all. But now, but now are they many members, yet but one body? Now, let me give you Scripture precedent right here. Let me, let me give you Scripture precedent to let you know how the early church did it. The book of Acts, chapter 13. Go ahead and put that, that next Scripture up for Acts, chapter 13. This was the early days of the church. And they knew they was going to have to do what God had told them to do. He told them to, to tear into Jerusalem until they was endued from power from high. But they was not supposed to stay there. They were supposed to go from Jerusalem to the other most parts of the world. Remember that? But things was going good in Jerusalem. So they thought the democracy came, 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 came over and they just kind of formed a commune. Everybody started putting everything into one pot. Nobody called. And, and, let, me, and let me tell you this before, before you uh, get upset with pastor here. You can't show me one place where God told them to do that. That type of system never has worked. Do you know? At first it worked for a while, it worked good. But Brother Bobby, we can find later on when Paul was out carrying the gospel... Paul, a lot of times, would have to stop and take up an offering to send back to the poor saints of Jerusalem. You know why they got poor? They disobeyed God. They tried to, they, they, they tried to create a commune. Hallelujah. So after God brought persecution their way and they were scattered, it was time to send some more missionaries out to spread this thing further. And by this time, they learned their lesson. They didn't, they didn't call for a business meeting and, and, and vote in who was going to be the missionaries they was going to send out. Let's read it. Now the church that was, in, that was at Antioch, 
there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod to Tikrat, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I'd called them. God decided who was going to be the missionaries and who was going to hit the field carrying this message. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. They ministered to the Lord and they prayed and they fasted. Then the Holy Ghost began to speak. And the Holy Ghost says, it's time to separate Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. Amen. And they didn't have some folks in the church saying, well, you know, I don't know if we ought to listen to that guy or not. He's one of them self-called prophets. But the Bible says, if you remember there, there were several prophets there in the church of Antioch. And they allowed... They allowed the ministry of the prophetic to do its work. And the church grew. And it prospered. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost, <coughs> the Holy Ghost, you see, it's not about me and it's not about you, but it's all about him. Can somebody say amen? I've, 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 got to, I've got to move on. The second thing I want to share with you that we've got to do, rules we've got to follow, there's got to be mutual respect in the body. There's got to be mutual respect in the body. 1 Corinthians 11, 17, and 18. Now in giving these instructions... I do not praise you. Now, Paul was writing the church in Corinth here. As we all know, Corinth was one of the carnal-minded churches that the Apostle Paul had to frequently deal with over various issues. And so now as he's writing, he said, I'm not praising you over some things since you come together not for the better but for the worst. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Wow. It appears that even in the first century church, the first century church had issues with disunity and lack of mutual respect for the whole body. They dealt with carnality in the form of favoritism and some congregations having their little cliques. Come on. The church is no place for little cliques. Hallelujah. We're all supposed to be one. 
We're not supposed to have a little group over here and another little group over there and another little group back right there. I read you the scriptures this morning that said that we're one body, many members, but one body. When Corinth had their cliques going on and their divisions, they were, they were in the midst of having more than one body. They had a body over here and another body over there and a body over there. And here's Jesus Christ the head and says, which body am I going to sit down on? Hello? Glory. If we are going to be the church, then we must maintain mutual respect and love for every member of the body. Even those members in the body which may appear to be weaker or they may appear to contribute less, they need to be helped in honor and to be loved. Hallelujah. There needs to be mutual respect across the board in the body of Christ. There should not be no big eyes and little U's. There should be a mutual respect amongst God's people. Mutual love, mutual fellowship. Hallelujah. This is the way that we become the church. This is the way that the Holy Ghost moves and things happen when we, when we do this. I'm going to end by reading you 1 Corinthians, going back to the 12th chapter. We're going to read verses 21 through 25 this time. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are what? Necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have great modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which likes it, lacks it. And there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another if my eye starts looking at my hand starts saying well I, I you know I, I I don't have no need of you when that eye starts talking that that eye is forgetting that sometimes that eye from time to time, will see something that it likes. But since I've disfellowshipped my hand, my eye sees that bottle of water. And my mouth and my tongue and my throat is getting sticky. But I don't I, I done, I, I done disfellowship my hand. I done said, hey, I ain't got no need of them. I'm going to find out real quick how much I need that hand. 
Amen? And the same is true for each and every one. I want you to know something. You may come to this assembly and they'll never get up on the platform for any reason. You might not teach a Sunday school class. You might not hold any kind of office. But you are just as important to this body as the one standing up here talking right now. We got to have mutual respect in the body for one another. And we need to show that respect and how much we appreciate one another. There has got to be unity in the body for God to move the way he wants to move. <coughs> when the Bible says the day of Pentecost had fully come, that was the birthday of the church, remember? But when the day of Pentecost fully come, there was different ones driving down different roads in their Hondas. They were all in one accord. But not a Honda Accord, right? They were together. I remember something about hearing scripture somewhere. Don't recall if it's in the Old or New Testament, but it's a question. How can two walk together unless they agree? Hallelujah. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to agree with one another, to walk with one another, to love one another unconditionally, realizing Everybody in here is not on the same spiritual level as you. There's going to be some that may be on a lower level, but there may be some that's on a higher level. But we're all part of the same body. Let's become the church. Let's have the unity of the Spirit as God has called us to do. Let's stand as they play or sing something, the altars are open.